Hello, everybody. Good to see you. Happy New Year. It's an exciting time to be alive. Um, I always think like January 1st, it's like this, this day of paradox. It's like the day of hope and sacrifice. Like, you know, we go into the start of something brand new and we're, we're hopeful. Things can be different than they have been, but for them to be different, different, things have to be different, and things have to change. And so there's this idea of sacrifice, too, that plays into it. So in our, our hopeful enthusiasm, we also grit our teeth a bit, and we say, you know, we're going to be different this time around. And there's this tradition that a bunch of us have. It's, it's we create these things called New Year's resolutions. And I I'm someone who spends a ton of time preparing for those. I want to pick the best ones that I can possibly do for each year. That They're often the same, though, every year uh, because I don't ever complete them or accomplish them. But, but, but in my soul, like, I feel like those are the things that I have to conquer. Um, there are actually f- five um, that across the country are the most common things that people want to change and want to improve on. So as I say these things, think about the things that that would be the top five in your own head. Uh, The the number five top thing that people are going to try to conquer this upcoming year is they want to quit smoking or drinking or, or participating in the addictive patterns that they have. Um, the, the fourth thing um, is people want to get out of debt. They want to save money and to not spend it. This is a pattern that people feel like you know, if they could change, they would be healthier. The other one, uh, the, the, the number three is to exercise more. Personally, I was thinking that was going to be the number one, but that's the number three, to exercise more. The number two is to drop pounds. The two don't go together here. They exercise more and drop pounds. Apparently, pe- people think that, that they're able to drop pounds apart from the exercise. I don't think so, but um, that, that's my own personal opinion. Then the top thing that people um, want to do in this upcoming year, and I thought it was very interesting. It's just this very, very arbitrary idea. It's like the top thing across the country that people are saying, here's what we want is simply to be a better person. Um, To be a better person. Like, people actually typed out, I want to be a better person. How do you be a better person? How do you quantify that? How do you say, well, ah, I don't know. And so then the other thing that I thought was very interesting is, according to polls, the people who who have things that they want to achieve and accomplish— on average, only 8% of those people actually accomplish them each year. That means out of all the people who today are saying, here's what I'm going to do, here's how I'm going to change, here's the hope I have, and here's how I'm going to sacrifice, that there are only 8% of you that are actually going to accomplish that. That would mean out of this whole room here, him, him, you know, and all this group is the only people that are actually going to succeed. So if 
if you were about to do something hard and you knew that you only had an 8% chance of succeeding in that, you know, I would not even try. I would not even, but there's something about January the 1st that says we can do it. You know, like, you know, in our soul, like, this is the year. This is different for us. But it never is. 8%. What is it about January 1st and this drive to be better people that keeps us going forward? And we have this idea of hope and sacrifice and possibly if I just try harder to get the job done this year, if I exercise more, eat healthier, maybe I will be who I have always wanted to be. This is the year. If I just do more, try harder. And it's exhausting. See, January the 1st for me is the birthplace of exhaustion. Because whatever I start today, I know I can't keep up. But I think I can. I try so hard to be who I want to be. And it is simply exhausting. Because the truth is, is whenever hope and sacrifice are in our hands. It's like a clanging of cymbals together and we're, we're trying to cheer ourselves on. But whenever hope and sacrifice are in the hands of Christ, this is the birthplace of God's grace. You see, sacrifice and a hope, it's this paradox that the cross embodies. It's an image of hope for many of us. We will see the cross and we say, that is an image of hope. And then for many of us, we'll see the cross and we'll see this is the image of sacrifice. And both are correct. Where hope and sacrifice collide, this is the birthplace of grace. So today we're doing a sermon series called Grace. I knew from the beginning I was going to have a hard time saying this. Grace wins. Help me out here. Grace wins. Because the truth is that grace always wins, but we often forget about it. And the antithesis of grace and seeing how it plays out in our daily lives is us trying really, really hard. Us trying hard is the antithesis of the gospel. And today is January the 1st. And so being January the 1st, the thing that I believe is the most important thing to start out, start out our patterns, our thought processes, how we're going to change things, how we're going um, to kind of spin things on its head. It's to start out with a very fundamental idea of God's grace and his gospel and how it always wins. Because if it doesn't, it is just a pattern of exhaustion that only 8% of us are going to conquer anyway. So open your Bibles to Matthew 11. And um, there's this paraphrase that I'm excited for, for, for us to kind of say together at, this, at the beginning of this new year. This the paraphrase of Matthew 11 is just beautiful and it's challenging and it invites us to open our hands. So here we go. As a congregation, proclaim this together. Are you tired, worn out, burnt out on religion? Come to me. 
get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you will learn to live freely and lightly. Doesn't this just feel good? Like, this is the opposite of hunker down, get the job done. This is Jesus himself saying, I want to teach you about grace. And how he says, I want to teach you about grace, how does he say it's going to happen? Keep company here with me. Spend time here with me. Walk with me. Watch me so you can experience it and you can live freely. And this is the grace that he's talking about in this passage, which oftentimes when I think about God's grace and I think about God's gospel, I put it in this box of the thing that takes effect after I die. It's the thing that saves me from from the sins that I have piled up. His grace comes into effect. I am saved. I'm going to heaven. But until then, I have to try really hard to be who I want to be. So in this passage in Matthew 11, he says, no, that all happens. But grace is something for today. Grace is something for you to see, to bring you freedom, to bring you you joy, to make you come alive today, here, and now. And and this is this grace is a daily thing. It's a, you are seeing me how I do it today. It's not something I just had done and is going to take effect in the future. Grace is something that affects you in your daily lives in everything that you do. Somehow God's grace had been a part of that. Um, so, So it affects everything that you do. And in fact, the the other day, I was a, a, a part of a, a ceremony where two people got married, and it was phenomenal and beautiful. And I was talking to a parent who was talking about how she could not imagine being married to her husband apart from, you know, knowing the truth of the gospel and apart, of, apart from God's grace and apart from who they are in the church and apart from what God has given them. Like she could not imagine being married and not having God's grace being a part of that. She said it would have been impossible if God was not here to get us through it, if God's grace hadn't been there to teach them and bind them together. She, she literally said over and over, I can't imagine this even being possible. I also have a very, I cannot imagine being a parent apart from God's grace. Like, can you imagine parenting your kids alone apart from the gospel? I can't imagine being a parent. And so then the question for me continues on. If, if, if God's grace you know, impacts our marriages and people say, I cannot imagine being married apart from God's grace. Are there, there other people who say, I can't imagine getting out of debt apart from God's grace? Or are there people saying, I can't imagine be, being on this 
diet apart from God's grace. I can't imagine exercising or beating this addiction or, or my marriage you know, apart from God's grace. It just is not computing. Like, like is it possible that that, that, that people, that there are stories out there that grace is so hands-on and, and Jesus is so present that the people that, that supersede the 8% that get stuff done in their souls and their spiritual life, and their physical life, they are the people who see the practicality of the gospel in everything that they do, that they, they say, I can't imagine being healthy apart from God's grace. I can't imagine getting up in the morning apart from the gospel. I can't imagine doing this apart from Jesus. Is that possible, plausible? Yes, this is what this passage is. Watch how I do it. Keep company with me. Journey with me. See how grace influences and impacts everything that you do. So I want to tell you a story about two people that were very, very similar and who I think have everything in common. There were two boys um, who grew up here at Christ Community. Um, They both have fantastic families um, who who taught them the gospel, who, who taught them about Christ. They both were baptized here in this baptismal, um, they, they both share great s- stories. Um, they both attended high school here in Greeley. They both have the same name. Um, they both um, have tons of friends who care and support them. They're both the same age. This is pretty profound. Um, they both are named Eric. And the first Eric on Thursday evening, I stood in front of the altar as his bride came down. And he was crying because he was the happiest guy ever. And we went through his marriage ceremony and they wanted at the center of their ceremony to be the image of the cross. And so we talked about hope and sacrifice, how, 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 how marriages are built upon the place that grace is born, and this is Jesus Christ, the hope and sacrifice of the world. And it, it was phenomenal, and his parents and her parents were, were over the top saying how God's hand was all over them, and this, and grace just filled the situation. And it was beautiful. The second Eric, I stood at the altar the following day on Friday. His urn. Had been right here. I had the same suit on that the day before. I gave the first Eric his future. The second Eric, I said it was over. And I talked about the image of the 
cross. I talked about hope and sacrifice, how it's a paradox. And his parents said the same thing, how God's hand had been over every situation of his life and how grace filled this space. And I was coming home from the funeral, just like, what has the past 48 hours been? And I had this suit on and I thought, it's the only suit I own. And I do everything in this suit. I've done funerals and I've done weddings and I've I've gone to parties and if I go, go to anything that you guys have, it'll be in this suit. I've done sermons in this suit and it's the only suit I have and for me it's the suit of hope and sacrifice. It's the suit that I preach the gospel in. It's, this is it. And I thought, that's how God shows up. He doesn't have different suits for different occasions. He has what he has to bring. And it's himself and it's his grace. And it says, I want to do this with you through the funerals, through the weddings, through the peaks and the, the valleys. If you go backpacking and God shows up, he'll have this suit on. And I love that. Because the truth is, is that everything that we believe in the church is wrapped around this idea of the gospel that we believe that grace impacts every single thing that we possibly could be going through. That it just isn't the end game. This is the pregame, the kickoff, the game, the end game, and the party afterwards. This is God's grace. So there isn't the, 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 this is the year we're going to try hard to do better to get our junk together because only 8% of you are going to succeed. But what changes that 8% is the time and the truth when you invite Jesus in and say, bring your grace into this. This is how this year will be different. This year, I'm going to eat healthy and I'm going to ask God to bring his grace into it. I'm going to ask Jesus to accompany me in this. This year, I want to improve my marriage and I can't just do it. I want to invite the God gospel into it, because in the gospel, it has been done. This year, I'm going to get out of debt. This year, I am going to spend less and save more. But this year, what's going to be different is God's grace is going to be dripping all over it. That's what changes the 8% and spins it on its head. This is where hope abounds. This is where sacrifice actually happens and where grace and sacrifice, or hope and sacrifice collide. Grace is born. And this is beautiful. This is what we believe. So up here is going to, I'm going to show a passage that I believe kind of embodies the gospel that holds the hearts of the church. And it's something that we can stand on. So please proclaim this together. God sacrificed Jesus on the altar of the world to clear that world of sin. Having faith in him sets us in the clear. God decided a course of action in full view of the public to set the world in the clear with himself through the sacrifice of Jesus, finally taking care of the sins he had so patiently endured. 
This is not only clear, but this is now. This is current history. God sets things right. He also makes it possible for us to live in his rightness. This is now. This is current history. Gospel crashing into the reality that you are experiencing. The question I have for you is, what are the things that you are proactively seeking to change about who you have been or who you are or who you're hoping to become? What are those things that you in the past have had hope and sacrifice and you've, you've, you've pulled up your own bootstraps and today you're going to say, this is the day that I'm going to try hard to conquer. And then the question is, is what would it be like to invite Jesus to crash his grace into it? What would it be like to shift the trajectory of how you do it in 2017 and you give it over to Jesus first before you fail and then ask him to pick up the pieces in the end? So there are pieces of paper in the backs of your guys' chairs. There's also there. So I want to invite you into a time and take the piece of paper and jot down the things that are coming to mind of things that you want to pass over to God, things that you haven't invited his grace into, things that you possibly, you know, don't even believe his gospel could impact. But to Day, you're inviting him um, to, to bring his grace into your situation. It could be your finances. It could be your spiritual life. It could be your addictive behaviors. It could be exercising. It could be the attitudes that you have. It could be the, the fact that you don't feel hope. It could be your depression. It could be anything. Take out a piece of paper, pull out a pen, and begin to jot those things down now. Oh, Lord, we thank you for the truth that you come alongside us wherever we are and that you want to journey into the stories that we are a part of. God, we thank you that the things you do and the things that you say, that they are applicable to wherever we are in this moment. God, we thank you that grace is big and grace is for our situation. God, we thank you that you care. So one of the biggest symbols of hope and sacrifice that the church has, has hung on to, uh, participated in, is the image of communion. It's there is bread and then there is a cup. And the cup is symbolic of the blood of Christ, the sacrifice of Christ, and the the bread is symbolic of the body of Christ that was broken. And 
so whenever the church engages in communion, it is taking. It's taking the sacrifice of Christ and saying, I have hope in this. It's because of this that I can live and be free. It is because of this that I have salvation. It is because of this that things are different. And so today, as the church, as you participate and communion and proclaim hope that as you accept his sacrifice, I'm going to ask you to bring those pieces of paper up. There are glass bowls that are up at the, the communion table. Bring, bring your papers up. Put them inside the glass bowl. Symbolic of, I'm giving this over. This this year isn't going to be a year of me holding on to these things and trying super hard. It's going to be at the beginning. I'm giving this to God. I'm giving this to Jesus. I'm inviting his grace into it. And then I take his sacrifice and I engage the truth that there is hope above the 8%. That this year, from the beginning, we are giving our desires of our hearts over to God so that he can pour his desire into us. So I want to invite you to the communion table. Um, it is a table of grace. It is a table of hope. It is for those um, who want um, to engage the truth of Christ and are excited about it. It's for those who want to engage the truth of Christ and who are afraid of it. It's for those of you who have been here often. It's for those of you who haven't been here in a super long time. It's for those of you who think you're perfect, and it's for those of you who think that you're absolutely broken and a mess. It's for those of you who enjoy going to church and those of you who feel really uncomfortable here. This table has been prepared for you as a symbol of hope and sacrifice. Come and eat.